This is Bragging Rights, a show all about college football, where the conversations are lively, the topics are trivial, and the hosts are semi-knowledgeable. And now, here are your hosts, Madison and Pierce. Welcome in to another edition of the Bragging Rights podcast. We are super excited that football looks to be coming back. Not looks to be coming back. I think it's all but confirmed at this point. Uh, I got an email today, Pierce, in fact, from Florida State saying, hey, we've got more season tickets available. So uh, we're going to have football and we're going to have it with fans. Uh, and I'm excited, for one, to have something to watch this fall. Sports are going to be back and uh, they're going to come fast and furious. Hey, before we get into it, i got to introduce myself and my co-host. My name is Madison, and I'm joined, as always, by my brother Pierce. Pierce, how are you? Wonderful, wonderful. There's light at the end of the tunnel, and excited to uh, dive into all the, the wonderful topics. It's been a long, empty last three months without sports, and so there's, um, well, there hasn't been cr- um, a lot of crazy news coming out. There has been enough to uh, to be excited to talk about it. It's um, I'm itching to get at it. So let's get into it right now. I just want to really quick some housekeeping. This name of this podcast has changed. Uh, And that's really for one reason and one reason only. We loved the name Sibling Rivalry Podcast. But it turns out that that's a pretty popular name for podcasts. And it just kept getting more popular. Two years ago when we started this thing, or I guess two and a half-ish years ago when we started this thing, uh, there was maybe one or two, but I was they hadn't really posted very much, and I thought, no big deal. Well, since then, there's been several others, including the Sibling Revelry podcast with Kate Hudson uh, and Oliver Hudson. Uh, not, a, not a football show, not a sports show, but still getting confused with that, as well as there's a popular podcast that's taken off called the Sibling Rivalry Podcast, and we get tagged in that all the time on Instagram, and I just thought, you know what? I want to start fresh. Let's do some. Let's pick a name that's not super inundated with other podcasts. Let's get better social handles and things of that nature. So this, from here on forward, will be the Bragging Rights podcast, and uh, you can follow us on social. If you're already were following the sibling rivalry handles, it'll just flip you over. But the new social media handles, if you are not following uh, on Twitter and Instagram, are at Bragging Pod. B R A G G I N Pod just like the name of this show. And we're super excited about the rebrand. Same thing, same format. Everything stays the same. It's just a different name. Uh, this episode, we wanted to get into some of the things that happened in the offseason that we weren't covering. This episode is going to be specifically about coaching changes. The coaching carousel was in full effect. A couple of really big hires, a couple of questionable hires. And we're going to break down as much of that as we can. There's obviously some that we'll go off about, and there's some that we'll probably just gloss over because there was a lot in FBS and uh Quite frankly, we're only semi-knowledgeable. I don't know how much I'm going to be able to talk about UTSA's coaching change. But I certainly can touch on Florida State's, and I certainly can touch on the uh, the Egg Bowl showdown that will be going on in November. I'm excited about that one. Yeah, you know, there aren't many years where I um, I look forward to a particular game, especially the Egg Bowl, as one I'm looking forward to the most. You know, it's one of those games where you get to Thanksgiving weekend and it, you go, oh, awesome, the Egg Bowl. Well, now now we've got some some real personalities on either side, so it ought to be a good one. It's funny you say that. It's, we'll get into it in a second, but it's funny you say that about the Egg Bowl. It's always stuck out to me for a couple of reasons. It's played on Thursday night as opposed to Saturday, the rest of Rivalry Week being Friday or Saturday, 
Thursday night by itself after the NFL games, you're, you're in a little bit of a turkey coma, and then you've got the Egg Bowl, a little bit of a surprise and delight at the end of the night. Be like, ooh, okay, we got, we got a meaningful football game here. But mainly, even though it's not usually major implications on the national sphere, the Mississippi teams hate each other. And I guess I never really knew that too much until we started delving. In, I started really delving into it really, you know, a few years ago when I really started to get into college football. But the Mississippi teams might be two of the most, uh, have the most vitriol for each other of any fan base, which is crazy to think about. Uh, you know, you've got a, a rivalry called the Egg Bowl. You'd think it's kind of lackluster, but they, they don't like each other at all. Yeah, it, you know, I think I wonder if it's a, a lack of maybe media coverage in that state or with those programs. You also tend to see those, uh, for whatever reason, those fan bases, albeit proud, aren't as boisterous as, say, in Alabama or, you know, Georgia or, you know, some of those, or in Auburn. Um, so maybe that's why. But yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be a good one, and, and I'm really excited to dive into those two coaching changes and, you know, really talk about whether or not you think these are just hires that are wow hires that shock you now and make you think it's going to be good but falls apart or if these people can really stick their stick at their respective programs and turn turn it around there all right let's get into it let's talk about these changes i'm gonna tee up here so i'll give a little bit of a background maybe a little bit of a insider opinion if i have it but i really want to let you go uh with you you you've keep your finger on the pulse of this a little bit more than I do. So uh, the first one that I've got listed is Rutgers. And the reason that this is important or the reason that this is in, uh, notable hire is that Greg Schiano, their, their hire, has previously coached at the school. He was there, of course, from 2001 to 2011. And he held a 68 and 67 record, which for Rutgers is not too shabby. That's not a school you look at being a national in national prominence, partly because of the conference they play in uh, and let alone the division they play in. So it's just a tough, tough job. The reason I find it interesting is Shiano, of course, was a candidate for the Tennessee job a few years ago. And of course, Rocky Top ran him off as soon as they heard that leak that he might be hired. So he's back home at Rutgers, and uh, I kind of want to let you go here, what you think about that. Of course, we've, we were glued to the Tennessee coaching search because when you live in Tennessee, that's just what everybody was covering. And I thought to myself, that's a pretty good hire when they were going to get Shiano, and then, like I said, they ran him off, and now he finally finds a home. He's been at Ohio State for the past few seasons, but uh, back in the head ball coach spot here at Rutgers. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's a home run hire if you're Rutgers. He um, he's coming home. Um, it, I think it's a good spot for him too. I mean, there aren't many other coaches in Rutgers history, if any, who have had more success than he has. I think a little bit of it. it what what will be interesting is when he was there, and um, he had some of those really good teams um, during his regime. It was remember it was the Big East. It wasn't the Big Ten. East, like they're in now. True. So it, he's going to take a step up in talent, but I mean, who are you going to get at Rutgers that was better than he is? And you've already you already know he can recruit. He can get into these programs and into these these uh, houses of these families who are um, who know what Rutgers is about, or who have sent their kids, or have gone to Rutgers, who would be more willing to listen because they know and respect what he has done there in the past. So I think it's a home run hire for Rutgers. All right, the next hire that took place was Washington promoting, not really, I mean, it was a hire, but they promoted Jimmy Lake. Chris Peterson, a little bit of a shock when he announced that he would be uh, retiring, but 
they had somebody waiting in the wings, luckily, uh, there in uh, Washington. And Jimmy Lake was the defensive coordinator under Peterson for the past, I think, four seasons. This will be his first time as a head ball coach. But it, it kind of is a no-brainer if you're Washington. You go ahead and you you promote somebody who's already in that system. There wasn't a ton of big names out there, honestly, this year, Pierce. It's not like it was a massive year for, for switch-ups. It wasn't like there was a ton of um, potential candidates they could pluck. So I think this is a pretty good hire for them. Like I said, get somebody who knows the system. You don't shake it up. The recruits aren't upset because they're having to learn something brand new. And, uh, you know, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. You go get somebody new the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, you kind of took my talking points from me. That was a good rundown. Yeah, it, it, you know, obviously um, what Chris Peterson did there um, was fantastic. And, you know, you would have liked to see him stick around for at least four or five more years. But, you know, you got to respect what he did there and, and uh, respect his decision. And, and like you said, Jimmy Lake was the picked successor for Chris Peterson. He was being groomed to be the guy. So while this comes as a little bit of a shock, um, it comes quicker than expected or maybe some expected. Um, yeah, it, you hit the nail on the head. It's going to be easier to transition in the way of recruiting. Um, there's a familiarity with the coaching staff and with that particular coach in general um, taking the step up. You always worry about, you know, hey, a first, first-time head coach, can he command the room? Can he make some of those key hires? Um, but again, because he's been in that program, he's got a pulse um, on whatever what's going on there. He he ought to be able to transition. So I give this a solid A. Um, I give this a good grade as well. Um, you know, I don't. I, again, I don't think there was too much out there that you could do better than Jimmy Lake. Absolutely. All right. Well, we got to address one of the big hires. It was the third hire to be made here with the carousel. You knew it was a matter of time until Lane Kiffin found his way back into the college football zeitgeist, the FBS zeitgeist, uh, being in, you know, he's at FSU, or F, not FSU, FAU for the past couple of years, but he's back, baby. And Oxford has officially turned into Knoxford. The Kiffin family, including their son that they named Knox when they lived in Knoxville, are uh, taken over Oxford by storm. Ole Miss hires him, and like I said, you knew it was going to happen sometime. You just didn't know where he would land. I didn't think it would be at the SEC West, let alone a team that, you know, could potentially turn it around pretty quickly. I think Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss is, has the potential to either be another cluster like it was at UT, or you have the potential with a coach who is uh, not shy to controversy and a pro- really proud program like Old Miss to really take off. And I would not be surprised in the next few seasons to see them knocking down the door of at least an SEC title, if not potentially making their way into the playoffs. It's hard being in the SEC West. That's the toughest division in all of college football. And I am not even saying that biasedly. It just, it's pretty factual at this point with Alabama and your reigning tra- champs, LSU. So Ole Miss has a little bit of an uphill battle, but I don't think there's a better hire they can make. And it's a bet that I know that they were willing to take there in Oxford yeah it's it's an incredibly interesting hire here um, I think it was a home run hire as far as exposure goes it was it provided the wow factor it certainly raised eyebrows amongst SEC fans um, and even nationally so you know when you're looking to make a hire you always look to make a splash and so I think they they won in that regard it'll be interesting to see if he can recruit um, he's been all around the country he's always been a fairly good recruiter 
um, and a great ex offensive coordinator. That said, you know what what Lane Kiffin are we getting? Are we getting the one that went to Nick Saban and wanted to, you know, learn from him and was kind of a reject? Or are we getting the one that's kind of a prima donna, um, like at USC or like he was at Tennessee? Um, and you could argue he kind of was starting to get that way at FAU a little bit, but you know it's such a smaller program in regards to the media hype. Um, it'll be interesting if he can get players in there. I like the players and I kind of like the skill set that they have there, um, to fit his scheme. Um, he can, he can mix and match with a lot of those offensive weapons. Um, I mean, you got to find a passer. That's the one thing that they didn't do very well last year and they need to, that he needs to make a good splashy hire on defensive coordinating side. I I don't know who that guy is at at the moment. Um, I think it's a good hire. I, it'll be one, though, that we look back on maybe more than any other coaching hire next year and go, let's reevaluate this. So um, I think this one's a t- to, to be determined. I think uh, Ole Miss gets a solid grade just for the splashiness. Next up, Florida State made their hire. Of course, uh, I went to Florida State, so I'm a little bit closer to this. And it has been a dramatic fall since 2013 when they won the national championship, especially with the way teams are made nowadays. Pierce, you don't really see a program be a flash in the pan like FSU was. They won the national championship. Bunch of controversy then surrounded them with uh, having Jameis Winston there. And then the next thing you know, in the next few years, Jimbo's losing control of the locker room, losing control of the fan base. Uh, He then leaves his, basically it's leaked that he's leaving Florida State because he throws his Christmas tree out on the curb. And then you hire Willie Taggart, which felt like a good hire at the time. And he's coming from Oregon. But then when you start looking at his track record and you realize, okay, he's kind of bouncing around. He hasn't had proven success anywhere. And he was a PR nightmare for Florida State in a lot of ways. A lot of the um, – I don't even know what the right word to say it is. They were It was a little bit of embarrassment for a while. A little bit of an embarrassment. And he really wasn't uh, all that he was promised he will, we'll talk about him later where he landed, but Florida State then goes and makes a hire now for Mike Norvell. He, of course, coming from Memphis. At Memphis, he had a 38-15 and 15 record. He sent eight players to the NFL draft, which is pretty good considering they're coming from Memphis, don't have a ton of exposure. So we'll see here what happens. He certainly has the name to help with recruiting, and there's no reason why he can't win at Florida State. It's just a wonder if whether or not he, you know, coming from Memphis, has what it takes to win in a big-time program. So we're going to have to see here. But what do you think about the Mike Norvell hire? I like it. I think this is going to go down. I mean, it's it's interesting. At first, I liked it. There was a cooling-off period. Um, you're starting to hear, though, through the grapevines um, that this is a home-run hire. Everyone seems to like him. Um, and you can point to a number of things uh, that, that should prove – his ability to coach, his ability to maintain a good program, and his professional professional um, approach to the game. I mean, if you think about it, his success at Memphis was incredible, and and albeit with losing coaches every year, he was getting guys picked left and right off his staff, and he still was able to make the the correct hires um, and and produce on the football field with not just a lack, not just an okay team, a very good team. I mean, heck, they went to the Cotton Bowl last year. So I think um, when you read between the tea leaves and you also look back and see what he's been able to do at his previous stops, I think this is nothing but a home run hire. Um, really think this is going to turn out to be more, if, if any, if, if he doesn't turn out to be the next 
um, Bobby Bowden, which, I mean, that'd be crazy to say anybody should live up to those expectations. If anything, he provides a stabilizing force there um, after all the craziness, like you mentioned, that went down with Taggart. So good hire all in all and uh, one to look out for. All right. Arkansas then made kind of a puzzling pick. Sam Pittman from uh, the last previous previous couple seasons at Georgia. He had just been promoted to the associate head coach, and uh, this is going to be his first head coaching position. He was at Arkansas previously, but it's an interesting pick if only because he's not really proven. He's never had a head coaching position before. And if you're in the SEC West, you kind of got to go make a splash. You got to make a hire like Ole Miss did with, with Lane Kiffin. I just don't understand the same Sam Pittman higher unless it's a little bit of let's get somebody in there who can stabilize us for a while who knows our program which is exactly what they went out and did I don't think that the world is long for Sam Pittman at Arkansas unfortunately which I hate because I love the guy I think he's cool and he's electric and I got tears watching him call his former players when they got drafted in the NFL draft but I don't know I, I, I don't think that this is a good hire ultimately I have to agree with you. I think it, there are two aspects at play here um, that are important to look at. Number one, to your point, they're familiar with him. He's familiar with the program. Um, and so they know a little bit of what to expect. They know he'll recruit well. Um, and he should be, again, a stabilizing force there as far as there, there won't be a lack of motivation and they're going to do the little things really well. Um, and one of that is – they're going to run the ball well. They're going to have good, beefy offensive linemen. <clears throat> and I think they made the switch from Chad Morris so quickly because they still had that. Morris was going to switch things up a little bit, having his Clemson more spread offense type of background. Um, and so, you know, he doesn't lose too much because they didn't transition more than a year and a half of recruiting. So I think at the end of the day, the second thing is, you know, Arkansas wants to win and compete with the best of the best, but they didn't want to see their team go down anymore. Um, and I think they're okay with a few years of, you know, hopefully some good recruiting, getting back to, to that big old run it down your throat, Arkansas Razorback football. Um, I, I think it's going to be, you're going to see, see you're gonna, he's going to take his lumps the first year or two, but hopefully by year three, he has enough talent in there to at least, you know, break 500. But yeah, I don't see this going all that well, but good for him because um, at his point in his career, he deserved to, to hit a home run um, type of contract that he got in um, Fayetteville. So yeah, I mean, can't give it a great hire, but you know, happy for the guy. Absolutely. Okay, Missouri Pierce, I got a little bit of a question to pose for you. They went and hired Eli Drinkwitz. He's young. He's 36. He just came off one season with App State. They did have a 12-1 and record. Prior to that, he was with North Carolina State, but it just feels kind of quick and unproven. You got one season as the App State head coach. Is this a little bit of Derek Dooley? Like, I'm kind of getting Derek Dooley vibes here from Eli Drinkwitz. <laughs> both both very young-looking first-time. Well, I guess, obviously, Dooley was at La Tech, and Drinkwitz was at um, App State. So they weren't unproven head coaches. They had, they had proven their worth for at least a year. But, yeah, they had that young look to them. So I, I like that comparison. Yeah, it's like an interesting – My the reason I'm coming from that is because – it kind of feels like you got this flash in the pan, like the hot name, like let's try to get in on this before it becomes an exposed, uh, you know, he he becomes this hot commodity in the college football world. We, we've got the vacancy now. We're going to, you make a hire, you probably make him for the next two to three years. 
So do we go for somebody who is a little bit more proven or do we try to bet on somebody who's young who could potentially be here for the next decade that is, uh, you know, just hasn't proven himself yet and maybe he is the next hot name? That's kind of what I'm getting with this. Well, and that's perfect for Missouri. How many elite level or very, very experienced head coaches are going to go to Missouri? Not many. So I think they had Odom. They tried that, you know, experiment there with – an older older coach who is more again I keep using this word stabilizing force, um, but was never able to get over the hump even with some talented players. So they're hoping uh, they they hit a home run here with Drinkwich. I here's my issue with him, um, and, and nothing with him, but you get the narrative that he oh this is an up and comer. He 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 might be the next big thing. He started in high school with Gus Malzahn. Okay. Gus Malzahn hasn't gotten over the hump at Auburn. What's gonna what what in where are you seeing him going into this job and, and it already having an uphill climb and getting into an elite level? I just it, it it doesn't work out in my mind. So, um and and again at App State, you know you can argue the opposite way. He inherited Rick Satterfield's team, his players, and look what he did at Louisville in his first year. So you know there's that. That's always going to be weighing on him um, in Columbia. We'll see. He's going to need a lot of help. Um, I think it's Missouri's best shot, but or at the time, but I just don't see it working out. Hey, don't tell Gus, Gus Malzahn he hasn't lived up to anything. Do you see that shrine he had of himself? That big fat head of himself in his basement? Yeah, I mean, the I, get draft? I get it. I get it. Uh, hey, I don't know. Cam I just Newton don't... was his savior. Exactly, and he wasn't even the head coach. Right. So, I... I I just don't – I'd have to see it to believe it. I agree with you. All right. Hey, let's bump down. I got a lot of uh, hires at smaller known schools that uh, we unfortunately are just not going to cover in depthly. But uh, I want to talk next about the big elephant in the room, or big pirate, I should say. Mississippi State follows up the hire that Ole Miss makes from Lane Kiffin. They're like, okay, well, we got to get a big name too. Uh, who is on the market – Oh, how about a coach who's dabbled with other teams in the past? Hasn't jumped ship, but has dabbled with other teams. Somebody who has been proven at big name schools, has uh, not big name, but has coached at the upper echelons. Let's go hire Mike Leach from Wazoo. I mean, this is just a present to us college football fans, if only because the sound bites leading up to Thanksgiving are going to be delicious. SEC media days, if whatever semblance of that happens is going to be delicious. I can't wait. Admittedly, I follow more SEC football than other conferences. So I, of course, see and hear the Mike Leach, I don't even know what to call them, drug rants. They're not drug rants, but it feels like he's on drugs when you're watching it, where he's just going off about something that you're like, what? This, you're a football coach. Why are you talking about you know, bears or best mascots or things of that nature. So I'm I'm excited for those to be more prevalent in my life with him being in the SEC. What a hire. But he's also a decent coach. It's going to be weird in Starkville to see his offense at play. I mean, he's a pass-heavy guy. And in the SEC where the run is really dominant, that's going to be very interesting to see how that works out. A little bit more of an experiment in my mind than a Lane Kiffin hire, which seems funny because Mike Leach is more proven and a little bit older and wiser. But I think a little bit more of an experiment because it, you just don't know how it's going to work at the SEC level. But 
I'm excited for the next two to three years of Egg Bowls. I'm excited for Mike Leach to find a home here in the SEC. And I'm excited for him to finally get a real shot at a real program. Because even though he was doing good things at Wazoo, and even though he was a good coach at Texas Tech, those teams just aren't going to win national championships. And they're really not going to be that big of contenders when it comes time to uh, you know, the, the national discussion. So I want to see, are you actually this good coach who just is eccentric or are you a loon who only gets talked about really because you have five-hour quarterback meetings and love to rant about the best mascots? It's an incredible hire um, just from the excite, excitement standpoint of everything surrounding it. I think, it, I think what you get in this hire is this, having experienced – for albeit just like a week or two, maybe even at most, I could be wrong. It could have been a f- just like five or six days. You, these Bulldog fans in Stark Vegas experienced the pinnacle. Mullen had them at number one in the country, and they're they they're chasing that. They're chasing that. They're chasing that. But here's what you get in this potentially, and I think this is what Mississippi State was going for. They know they're not going to be able to hang year in and year out with the Alabamas, the LSUs, you know, in the West and the Auburns, let alone having to play a Florida or Georgia in the East. And and I'll throw in Tennessee because I think Tennessee might be coming up here in the next few years, and we'll see. What this does, though, is if you look at his previous stops, every three to five years, if they're willing to wait that long, every three to f- I'll say three to four years, Leach has a freaking fantastic team. They're not great top to bottom, but they have enough in the correct positions. And that that is quarterback. That ha- That is a couple wide receivers. That means having just a competent offensive lineman. They don't have to be spectacular. Offensive line, they don't have to be spectacular. And just having maybe one or two stud defensive players. He's never recruited well. But think about his previous stops. Texas Tech, Lubbock. Not even one of the top three sexiest places to go in Texas. Wazoo. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, think about it. You you go to you go to Austin. You go to UT. You go to Texas Tech. You go to TCU. You go to SMU. Is that in you go order to of potentially you, Baylor? Is that in order of what you think is the sexiest places to go in Texas? I just mean from the like appeal of everything. It's a little bit. I mean, I, I'd say they they're probably better than Baylor. I'll, I'll give them that. You think Lubbock's better than Waco? I think when you get down to it, yes, I I really do. Waco's a cool town, but it's like, um, I don't know. It's just not quite the same environment, I would say, for a college kid. It's just a little bit more laid back, and that's cool. It's what you want um, if you're into that. They're not better than Austin and UT. They're not better than, you know, College Station. You can can make arguments about being in Dallas or Fort Worth. I would say I would want to be in those two cities. So, you're looking at these places, Washington State's not near what Washington is, and he's always had every two to four years, he's had one good team, even though they don't have more than two, three stars, or maybe one four star. So I think he'll be able to, if if the folks in Starkville want to give him time, he will produce every three to four years. It'll be what he does in between those that determines his, his success there. Um, I think it's a great hire. I think... You know, what else, again, it's a common theme, this this cycle. You didn't have many big names, you know, moving around from place to place. So who are you going to get that was better? I would argue this is maybe better than Kiffin as far as a wow factor, a pop. I mean, come on. You're bringing some dude who talks about pirate ships and weird, weird, I mean, 
it's hard to even describe what he talks about, and it's going to rural Mississippi. Stark you don't get Vegas, it. You don't baby. get any better. You don't. All right. Well, let's talk about the fifth sexiest job in Texas. Baylor, Matt Rule kind of turns Baylor around, gets them back on prominence. They were rolling last year, doing pretty well. He gets plucked away by Carolina, goes to the Panthers, makes his uh, makes his way to the pros. So, what does Baylor do? They go and they make a hire. Uh, from the great state of Louisiana. They go and get Dave Aranda. He, of course, is just coming off a national championship with the Tigers. And he's more of a defensive mind, so it'll be interesting to see how that works in the Big 12, especially off of a Matt Rule offensive mind. Uh, but I like this hire a lot. He's not necessarily proven. We've made a lot of comparisons to you know other teams that are unproven, you know, or not comparisons, but arguments why this might not work because he's unproven, blah, blah, blah. But I think this is a pretty good hire uh, all in all because I do think that he, Aranda knows his crap, and I think it's going to be uh, a pretty good marriage here for the Baylor Bears. What do you think, Pierce? This, um, unfortunately, I think is the going to be my surprise pick for worst hire of, of really, and, and I don't think it's necessarily the worst hire from a talent standpoint. I, I like Dave Veranda. I, I think I just think it's more of a poor decision on his part. I don't see him being able to s- sustain the success that Matt Rule has. I just don't. It's very difficult to recruit to Waco. Yes, he ought to have a, a a decent little base left over from the rule era. But here's my here's my concern. Outside of Gary Patterson, how many of the top schools in the Big Twelve are led by head coaches with defensive backgrounds? Not many. You got Lincoln Riley calls the plays. You got Mike Gundy used to call the plays. You got Tom Herman calls the plays. Um Matt Rule called the plays. You, you, you got so many good programs in the Big 12 who are juggernauts offensively. I just don't see this working out because I think he needs the, the pure elite talent that a school like an LSU Alabama brought um, in order to kind of offset that. I just don't see... He's going to need some help here. It's just tough when you come into a state like that where you're recruiting against the likes of... And they will have... Talent is abundant in Texas, which is always a plus. But if you can't develop it to the elite level of a Gary Patterson, then you're sit behind, sit looking behind Texas, TCU, maybe Tech, Texas A and M. So that's you're 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 the fifth school potentially in line there, and you may even get beaten out by an SMU. So and and you know Oklahoma's coming in. So it's just this a crazy phenomenon there where I you just don't see defensive coaches come in and, and excel. So. I like the guy. I just think this one's a, a, a disaster situation for Dave Aranda. All right. The last big coaching carousel change that we're going to talk about is Michigan State went and got Mel Tucker. Now, this has been a little bit of a controversial hire only because Mel Tucker was only at Colorado for what? One season? One, correct. So you kind of are looking down at that being like, okay, did you jump too early? Was that rude to the recruits? That kind of thing. I don't really care. I think if you get a promotion, you get a promotion. And I don't I don't think that that's on him to not take that and go elsewhere. He's been at Michigan State before. He was there in 97, 98. He, of course, we're familiar with him because he was at Georgia for a while. Uh, he only led Colorado to a 5-7 and seven record last year. So, you know, not necessarily the best track record. But again, Michigan State, who are you going to get? You don't really have a ton of options. Once it was, you know, you figured out that you needed to go get a, uh, a new head coach, 
you kind of got to hurry. They they made the hire on February 12th. So it's not like they had a ton of time to wait around. That's right in the middle of the recruiting cycle. I think that this all in all is a pretty good hire, kind of like the Sam Pittman, but I think it's a better hire than the Sam Pittman hire only because he's coached at that level before. I don't know if this is a long-term marriage, Pierce, and I don't think he in any way, shape, or form is going to win a national championship at Michigan State uh, or maybe not even be able to beat in-state rivals. But I think you get a name that is known with the recruits. You get a name who is familiar with your program. And you stabilize. And if in two to three seasons it's a crap show, you go and you make a new hire. And hopefully there's a better name out there. Hell, maybe Lane Kiffin or Mike Leach are back on the market. Who knows? But point is, I think that if you're Michigan State, this is a, this is as good of a hire as you could hope. If you're Mel Tucker, I'm going, did you jump too soon? Maybe. I can't blame you, but maybe. I don't know. I'm kind of indifferent on this hire. I, I'll tell you, I, I, admittedly, we're biased. I love this hire. I love it for a few different reasons. And obviously, first let me hit on, rightfully so, he got called out and ridiculed for leaving Colorado. That's what happens if you leave a school, you know, especially if it's a Power 5 school, after just one year. Um, no matter what position you get, whether it's a huge jump up or just a little small one. Here's what I like about the move. Well, let me circle back. How many times do they fire a guy after a year or two and, and it's, oh, thank gosh, thank thank God, we're, he's out of here. You know, So a guy leaves after one year, it's like, okay, come on, where's the double standard here? But what I like about it is he's familiar with the program. He's familiar with the program. He's coached there before. He ought to be able to, again, you said it, resonate his message with recruits. Um, Michigan State actually does carry a national brand to some extent. So he ought to be able to go pick up a couple players out of Georgia and he knows those programs, you know, those, those areas. Well, so I like this hire. I think he'll bring a toughness there. I think he'll bring a good message there. Um, you know, Michigan state's not going to be able to surpass an Ohio state or Michigan as far as talent goes or a Penn state. But, you know, again, you don't need the best of the best if you can just, keep building the talent enough and coaching them up and making the three stars higher, four stars, five stars. I think this is a good hire. I do. If he can fill the offensive side of the ball with some good, um, innovative coaches, I think, uh, and really just get a quarterback. I, I think Michigan State, you know, that they're not far. I don't think they're that far away. Kind of like with Norvell at FSU, I don't think they're that far away. I think they just need a few tweaks and, a, and just a few key positions and have an influx of talent there from via recruiting and the sky is potentially the limit all right let's go through the best of the rest here pierce we won't go in depth on these but if there's anything you want to say about these hires you let me know i'm just gonna run through it just because why not uh danny gonzalez gets hired by new mexico unlv gets marcus arroyo utsa gets jeff trailer usf hires jeff scott boston college that's an interesting one jeff scott jeff scott yeah jeff scott was one of the co-offensive coordinators of clemson and if you go back really the only offensive coordinator to have left clemson um and and taken a a head coaching hire was chad morris and that was shoot back before deshaun watson was there so this is an interesting one you knew it was a matter of time before someone jumped ship from the offensive coaching staff at clemson um you know, South Florida gets some good talent. So this is an interesting one. I like, I think we could see Jeff Scott's name pop around, pop up in about five years for a, a big time head coaching job. All right. Jeff Halfley goes to Boston College. Old Dominion hires Ricky Rain. 
Colorado State hired Steve Adazio. Fresno State got Kalen DeBear, De- DeBoer. I don't know how to say that name. Um, FAU hired Willie Taggart. That's where the uh, the old guy landed. He, uh, I think that's out down in Miami, right? Uh, that is correct. So that is down and I, south. And I and, and this feels very much like um, very much like a Charlie Strong type situation where he had his chance. He couldn't he couldn't figure it out. He went back to a South Florida school or to a Florida school just under power five. And we'll see. Uh, wish him all the best. But interesting move. It's an interesting comparison. It's exactly like Charlie Strong Good yep. comparison there. All right. Memphis hired Ryan Silverfield. App State went and got Sean Cook. Uh, San Diego State, Brady Hoke has a new home in uh, San Diego there at San Diego State. Washington State hired Nick Rolovich. Hawaii hired Todd Graham. And, That's an oh, interesting one. Todd Graham? Uh, he's not going to blow it up there. I mean, it's Hawaii. But you've looked, and Hawaii always has. It's a hard place to go play. And, you know, you get you've, – you've, somehow they've had some good quarterbacks there. I mean, heck, Cole McDonald just got drafted by the Titans. Um, so if he can, if he can get that next quarterback, which he shouldn't have an issue doing, I mean, it shouldn't be hard to recruit to Hawaii. Um, what he did at Arizona state, I, I think he was outed there too soon. I really do. And he's an offensive guy. I think that's an interesting hire. I would not be surprised to see him back in, um, the continental or the, uh, the 48 continuous, continuous. 48. I was going to say, the yeah, continent wow. 48. Well, there's some humor for me. I mean, an idiot. I think you'll see him back with a, with a pretty, maybe not an ASU type program, but a, a top notch program, um, here soon. All right. And last but not least, Colorado hired Carl Durrell. So I got a question for you. I don't know if I didn't prep you on this. So if top of your head, just think about it. Best hire from this past off season, which is the best hire, and which is the worst hire? Ooh, um, you hated the Aranda. I did, and it's not because of him as a coach. I just don't know if it was a. You know, a lot of it, it's a, it's like getting drafted to by by an NFL team or by an NBA team. If you if you don't land in the correct spot. I mean, it's just five years of just you know bouncing around places. So better or worse than Pittman, though. I honestly, I think uh, I think the worst hire is Drinkwich. Oh, was not expecting that. I just there's too many unknowns regarding his situation. Um, I, I I think a, the dually comparison was pretty strong. I, we'll see if he can. You know, obviously a lot of what ifs. If he can somehow bring in a few offensive weapons they should they, they they usually have a couple good offensive skill players um it's been the defensive side of the ball that he needs to address so we'll see i mean you're competing with the big dogs in the sec and you're already behind the eight ball so i think if you're looking at it from a t- totality standpoint i'd, I'd have to go drink which at, at missouri and Worst the time. best Best, I think best at the end of the day will come down to be Mike Norvell. I do. I it's it's a boring answer. I just think when you're a talented enough coach like he is, um, and you're not bringing any baggage to the program or anything like that. Any doubts? Uh, I think it, the talent's there. It's always going to be there. So he's set up to do the best. And I think I think this quiet side to Norvell you know there aren't too many news stories coming out is a good thing when you're in Tallahassee I just think when when you blow up and become a bigger story than what needs to be the media can get crazy and I mean you saw how it how it just snowballed with 
with um, Taggart as well as, um, I'm going blank on his name, who jumped to A&M. Fisher. Fisher, yeah, Jimbo. You saw it. Like, once it started snowballing out of nowhere, you went, what is going on here? And then there were real legs to it. So I think that's a good thing. I think Norvell will be the number one hire from this class. I'm saying the worst of Sam Pittman. It was had me scratching my head the minute it was announced, if only because... I mean, if you're, you can't blame Sam Pittman. That sounds almost like a dream job for him. And, and who knew if he was ever going to get the chance to coach at the national, or not the national, but the head coaching level. But if you're Arkansas, I, I just don't know. A, a couple of these hires feel like gambles. And I guess all of the hires are really gambles, uh, unless you're going to get like a Saban or a Dabo. But it just feels like a, a not, like a, I don't know, a really weird gamble. I'll put it that way. That's the best way I can put it. Just, just weird uh, best hire, I'm going to go Lane Kiffin. Another gamble, but he's one of those who, if if he crashes and burns, like if it was a cluster like it was at UT, I mean, they took forever to recover from that. And, and in a lot of ways, I guess you could argue maybe still are, but I, I think we're past that at this point. It took him a while to recover, though, from what Lane Kiffin did to them. Could he do it again in Oxford? Maybe, but I think he's just matured so much. He's He's had his chance. Uh, at his dream school, he had to go through the Nick Saban coaching rehab program, and now he's been at FAU kind of biding his time. I think it's the best hire. I think he's going to win uh, big at Ole Miss. Um, but I could also see with the same at the same time, I could see – I went back and forth because I could also really argue for the leech because the leech hire feels like he's due. He's a good enough coach that if he doesn't win one, we're looking back and saying he's one of the most consistent and, and best coaches to not win. Uh, and he's he's going to get close at at uh, Mississippi State if he doesn't go all the way with it. So I don't know. Either of those schools' best hires in the Sam Pittman hire, I'm going, what? Don't get it. So anyways, that's going to do it for our discussion on the college football coaching changes. Well, it's time to put the money where the mouth is. I mean, they're getting ready to get all these kids back to work, and uh, it's going to be – it's going to be a season to really prove that you're worth your salt as a coach because you've had limited spring, you've had or no spring, limited summer, and you're going to really have to get your crap together. Who knows, you know, if the season goes the whole time, who knows what that really looks like. It, we haven't seen a ton of announcements as far as that's going to look, but this is put your money where your mouth is. You know, are you able to actually get it done? And uh, I think it's uh, for all these guys, they'll get another shots, but you know, if you're really worth your salt as a coach, this is the season to prove it. So that is going to do it for the Bragging Rights Podcast. Make sure you're subscribed to us so you don't miss a podcast. We're going to have weekly podcasts until we start doing our season breakdowns about mid-July, or, or rather conference breakdowns about mid-July. And then we'll be twice a week. It'll be twice a week through the end of the season, whenever that might be. If a second wave ends us in October, then a second wave ends us in October. But we're hoping we get to go all the way through the end of the season and it's normal um you know it's gonna be a fun fall pierce super looking forward to it follow us on social media across all social media platforms at bragging pod that's bragging without the g thanks so much for tuning in we'll catch you next week for the bragging rights podcast i'm madison and i'm pierce stay blessed y'all